Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Today, we're celebrating the luck of the Irish with an epic love story from the Emerald Isle. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone! Hi, I'm Alicia Rye. And I'm Sarah Wendell. Welcome to Love Struck Daily, where we bring you a love story every day to your earphones. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you! Happy St. Patrick's Day, Sarah. Top of the morning. Top of the morning. Yeah. Yes. Have you been to Ireland? I have been to Ireland. I went there not for very long. I was there for about four or five days. I did like a tour through it. So we hit like three or four cities. So it was it was a hectic time. And it rained the entire time. But it was. That does not surprise me. But but you know what? It was one of my favorite trips. I went with my best friend at the time. This was when I was in law school. And uh, I loved it for one because it was everything was so green and beautiful. Yeah. And it felt like you just felt like skipping like yeah. all over the place. Like you just wanted to skip everywhere. But more importantly than that, I felt like it was one of the few places, at least like where we were at. I think this was in Galway or something where we realized we were getting like a lot of like men's attention, which we normally <laughs> didn't get on trips because we always dress like hikers. And then I was like, I feel like this hiking look is really working for us in Ireland. <laughs> 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 like our, our fleeces and our, you know, hiking boots and stuff. I was like, wow, this is for the first time something that's attractive to people here, I think. <laughs> like she takes a walk. Let's go yeah, talk to her. Like, oh, I could walk with her on the cliffs, maybe. <laughs> I have never been. I want to go you very much. Go. The kids would love it. You would love it. Yeah. I don't know. 
But one year when my children were very little, I said, um, guys, it's, it's St. Patrick's day and I, it, there's something going on. I think, I think a leprechaun came in the house. They're like, what do you mean? Is there gold? And I'm like, no, go, go, go look in the, go look in the toilet. And I had used green food coloring in the toilet bowl. And my older son went in there and went, mom, a leprechaun peed in the toilet. It's green. It's green. Mom, mom, a leprechaun was in the house. Now, the truth is, I, as I understand it, you're not supposed to invite the wee folk into your house. That might cause problems. But my children were absolutely fascinated by the idea that a leprechaun had come and used our toilet. That's got very like elf on the shelf vibes like you were anticipating this. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, to celebrate this most Irish of holidays, we have an absolutely beautiful Irish love story. And to help Hmm. us, we would love to welcome author and journalist Anna Carey. Based in Dublin, Anna has written for the Irish Times, the Irish Independent, and has several award-winning books published. We found her article in the Irish Times about Molly Moss and David Francis, and we invited her on the show to tell us the story herself. Please give a warm welcome to Anna Carey, who also hosts one of my favorite podcasts, Double Love, about the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High. If that hits you in your nostalgia spot, it's a great show. Welcome, Anna. Anna, welcome. So, so excited to have you here with us today. Happy to be here. We are here to talk about a true love story that you wrote about in the Irish Times. I did. Yeah. So a few years ago, a woman in England called Roisin Finnegan found a collection of letters that her parents, Mary and David, had written to each other um, during the Second World War. And she hadn't known that these letters existed. And her father died when she was really, really young. She had never seen this correspondence before and just before her mother died in 2002 Roisin discovered their their existence and they just basically revealed her parents love story to her and and her parents relationship to each other because you know she had no memories of this relationship at all because her father died when she was so young so she had no memories of her father and she grew up with her mother and then there were all of these letters detailing a truly incredible love story yeah, and I think they were basically in a suitcase in an attic. Roshi and her daughter had no idea it existed. So it's just an incredible thing to find. They were published five years ago and they're they're just extraordinary. I mean, they're it's extraordinary to read as a total stranger. So I can only imagine what it was like to read as their daughter. Yeah, they're they're very, very intimate. So can you walk me through the article that you wrote and, and tell me about the love story between these two people? Well, they met in um, 1938 uh, at a party in North London. I think it was in Highgate. And uh, Mary went to a party in her friend's flat and went to the neighbours to to borrow some glasses because they'd run out of glasses of, at the party. That's a good um, party. You run out of glasses. I know. Party, you know right? something's going right at a party if you need to like call into the neighbours. And she went upstairs to the flash um, on the upper floor and a young accountant called David Francis said that he would lend her some glasses for the party on one condition that he was allowed to to come along and gate crash. And she agreed. And they they just basically fell almost instantly in love, which is it's just kind of astonishing. They were they were only like about 20, I think, each. Um, and they were married a year later. 
and had a daughter a year after that. So it really was a whirlwind romance. And that was a period of time where there was a lot of upheaval. I imagine a lot of people would find someone and be like, all right, life is very, very short right now. Yeah. Well, they got married. They got married in, I guess they met the year of the Munich crisis and then they, uh, and then they married the following July. So, you know, two months before the war started, they were both very politically engaged like they're both involved in uh with the communist party they used to sell like the daily worker yeah outside train stations and her he joined um the navy after the war broke out and so i guess that's one of the reasons why their relationship is so documented because he was away training and you know then he had posting various postings so you know they spent way more time apart really especially once they got married than they did when they were together which is i guess why they have this amazing correspondence enough to fill behind. a suitcase yeah indeed yeah it was a, a, a romance of letters literally i love a good epistolary romance although this one doesn't add, mm. end very happily it has a really sad ending which is um so roisin was born in yeah she was born in august 31st 1940 which is pretty much like the week bombs started falling on london and just the time you want to have a newborn i mean that's not on your own piece of cake (laughs) you've got no sleep all night and a baby Mm. by day and a job it was actually i think it was really sweet when i i interviewed roisin and she said that reading about you know, her parents, who she, as I said, like she had never known them together, talking about her uh, was just incredibly moving. Um, You know, her mother sharing all the details of the babies, you know, every little first uh, step and all the, the, the constant changes was must have been just an incredibly moving thing for her to read because they lived together for about a year because he was transferred to Swansea. And that was the only time they spent together, the three of them. And then he was transferred to, David was transferred, he was working in naval intelligence. So he went to Scotland and then he went to uh, to Madagascar and to, to India. And when he was in India, he got smallpox and he got it and he died. And he was only 25. Oh, that's heartbreaking. When she got the the news of his death, I presume she got a telegram and she didn't tell anyone else about his death for like three days. Oh my goodness. Yes. So she was carrying that by herself. Yeah. And her daughter was like three. So, you know, it was, um, she really was on her own and apparently for the rest of her life, she said very, very little um, about him and about that relationship. And she went on to live a long, a really extraordinary life. Like she became a documentary film director. She wrote an amazing book, which I actually subsequently found in a second hand bookshop and really enjoyed about Sidney Morgan, who was like a 19th, 18th century Irish, female Irish novelist. So she was really talented and she did really interesting things. And she did have a happy second marriage, which, you know, much later. But yeah, I mean, it was just, I, I just found her, her whole life was was pretty fascinating when she deserves a whole biography on her own um you know as a female documentary maker like in the in the late 40s is quite extraordinary like working for the labor government after the war you know Mm. establishing the welfare state and basically changing britain and founding the nhs uh, and she was you know part of um part of that essentially it seems you know she she lived long and 
fascinating life. Yeah. And um, so it's not like her story is, you know, a totally tragic one. No. But that early romance is is kind of heartbreaking because, you know, they got to spend so little time together. And when you read the letters, they clearly were just, it was a whirlwind yeah. romance that, like, the fire didn't burn out. No. And she she kept all those letters, too. Like, I can just, I, I mean, you, you interviewed yeah. Rasheen. It must have been amazing to find this suitcase and find this incredible narrative of a love story that you knew nothing about because Molly didn't talk about it. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that, that I found really moving talking to her, that it sort of gave her her parents yeah, and gave her their relationship that's something that she just had no memory of. And I think there is something so moving about the fact that she kept, that, that Mary kept all the letters. Yes, absolutely. That the suitcase was there. Like, you know, she clearly did. Like, she didn't live in the past and she yeah. didn't talk about them, which is, you know, she definitely didn't live in the past. But she couldn't throw them out. No. And I think there is something about about love letters. Like I I remember being really uh, kind of in a way appalled when I found out that after my great grandparents died, my great aunt burnt all their love letters to each other because they'd sort of been apart at times. I think she thought it was like to keep their privacy. Yeah. So there's now like the odd little Edwardian postcard <laughs> that survived. That's just really sweet and charming. Um, but yeah, yeah, you just think how many love letters have been lost to history, and I guess a lot of the time with good intentions because people want their privacy. Yeah, exactly. And I think some, you know, if those letters survive, they could just tell such a mm-hmm. a moving story. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's something that I guess we have mostly lost now because yeah. those that sort of ephemera tends to be digital now. I know all of these letters were published in the book Letters from the Suitcase, but I was wondering if you would read one of the ones that have been excerpted in the article. Here's a letter from Mary on October the 22nd, 1940, which again was a time when um, like London had been bombed pretty much every night since the beginning of September at this stage. So this is the circumstances she's writing this in. And um, she says, My darling... No letter from you yet, but I suppose a batch will arrive together, I hope. I have the whole house to myself now and have been doing the washing. The nights are still noisy and the Caledonian school has been hit again. Monotonous aim, the Germans have. I will take the baby out in her carriage to post this letter and maybe walk around a bit as it is a lovely autumn day, blue, brown and gold, with enough wind to excite but benevolently warm. I'm knitting the baby a pair of socks. That's apropos of nothing, but just to let you know. I hope there will be a letter from you before the day ends to make it a good day. With all my stored up love, sweet David. Mary. Oh, she's a good writer too. Benevolently warm. Mm. What a wonderful writer. Great writer. And that's the thing, like that's the letters are such a pleasure to read because she really is a, a great, they're both really good writers. Yeah. So, you know, you don't feel like you're, it's, you, it's, it's not one of those collection of letters that would only be of interest to the family. No. Now I know that you are also a writer and that you've written, you've written some fabulous YA books about historical suffragettes. Is that correct? I have. Yes. Some of my books are epistolary. So the, the suffragette books are in the form of letters. Perfect. Uh, well, I think it's actually, it's, it's like, it works really well as a format. Um, 
because again you've got the gaps in between you know mm-hmm. so you can have somebody's letter and then a bit the next letter might be a few weeks later so they've got yeah. more to say so yeah and it's I think the one thing that I did I remember one child telling me that they thought that the the letters were really long but I don't think anybody would write letters that long and I was like well let me introduce you to me in 1995 walking around <laughs> Berlin <laughs> <laughs> Anna, where can people find you on the internet? They can find me on Twitter at Urchinet and they can find uh, Double Love, the yes. podcast that explores the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High book by book um, at SVH Podcast on Twitter or you know wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much, Anna. Oh, so nice to, uh, to see you. It's been uh, a pleasure. Alicia, before we go out and celebrate today, what is your love to go? Well, I really liked how Molly went up to David's door and knocked on it and asked for the glasses and how he, in return, he said, only if I can come with you. And I think they were both really, really bold. And so I think that would be my love to go, just to be bold in everything you do on St. Patrick's Day or otherwise, whether you're channeling your Irish side or not, just be bold and go after what you want. And throw such a good party that you run out of glassware. Oh, yeah. Someday we're going to party that hard again, yeah? Yeah, someday. And if you want to tell us about a party you've had, <laughs> please send an email to lovestruckdaily at frolic.media. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at LoveStruckDaily for extra content. And please, please, please leave a review, subscribe, and spread the word about our show. Our researcher is Jesse Epstein. Our editor is Jen Jacobs. We are produced by Abigail Steckler and Little Scorpion Studios and Jillian Davis with executive producer Frolic Media. This is an iHeartRadio podcast. We wish you a very lucky happily ever after. you